My past is an armor I cannot take off, no matter how many times you tell me the war is over. Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and joined with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing great. And yourself, doctor? I'm doing great. Thank you. Ready for fall, I guess, right? Yeah. Transitioning Transitioning into fall. There's some people I know that don't like fall. I actually love it. Even though I'm a teacher, I'm going back to school. We're normally in late August. When I take a look at my bank statement, I'm really looking forward to going back to school. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because of the love of my profession, but when I look at the bank statement. So anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm a summer baby. So, you know, I love summer. (laughs) I hear you. I feel. All right. So what is our topic today? PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I have a quote, if you're ready. Sure. Okay. My past is an armor I cannot take off, no matter how many times you tell me the war is over. To credit the quote, it is from a website called The Healthy Place. Don't know much about it. Check it out if you'd like to. I just thought it was a great quote and I just wanted to jot it down. So, doctor, what do you take from this quote? Well, I think that we're defined by our past, right? Like definition of trauma is... Um, for better or for worse, yeah. Correct, right. Yeah, exactly. It shapes who we are. We've talked about that a lot with CBT and our beliefs and, you know, kind of what we believe from our family of origin and our experiences. So we always have that armor, I guess, on as a defense, you know, and we can't really escape the past. It's just how we deal with it. I think the definition of trauma is actually considered a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. I just think that, you know, people need to understand the reasons why, you know, someone may act or just live life the way they do is because you don't know their backstory and you don't know what they went through. And to understand somebody today, you really need to understand what they went through, what their backstory is. And they can't just dismiss, you you know, like the armor or, you know, the defense mechanisms that they have for certain things that mm-hmm. bother them. And it's just like, this is the, well, the reason why they're like this is because this happened five years ago or that happened six years ago. And it helps you understand a little bit better. Yeah. And as a clinician, I, I tend to think that way anyway, when I see a behavior, a person's behavior, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that's about and why that behavior is there. Right. Obviously not everyone thinks about it that way. Yeah. Okay. Now you have, um, I have a quote. You have a quote? I do. Just one? Yeah. Okay. Just one. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of going back and forth between actually the same person with two different quotes, but I think that this one wins a little bit more in my mind. So kind of piggybacking on your quote, by the way, trauma is a fact of life. It does not, however, have to be a life sentence. And that is by Peter A. Levine. Okay. What I take from it, it's more of a positive approach to dealing with PTSD because to me it says, you know, you can... You don't have to, you know, have that armor all the time. Maybe you can like let go of the armor a little bit of the past and, you know, don't let it define who you are today. Mm-hmm. Maybe, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's exactly what I was just thinking was that don't let it define you, accept it. And that's really what the treatment and the healing is with trauma is, you know, not like denying that it happened, but it's part of you. It doesn't have to be all of you and it doesn't have to be a life sentence. You don't have to be a perpetual victim of your trauma. It could actually help you be a survivor, perhaps a warrior. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's a good quote. His name is Levine. Peter Levine. Peter Levine. Mm-hmm. 
Doctor, Q&A I have for you. Okay. What are the signs and symptoms of PTSD and how do I know if I or somebody I care about has it? Okay, so good question. So obviously a diagnosis of PTSD requires, you know, exposure to an upsetting traumatic event. It's generally a direct exposure, but it actually doesn't have to be. Like it could be something we call vicarious trauma, like maybe police officers, firefighters can have vicarious trauma. I guess we can too as psychologists have vicarious trauma. Hmm. And in order to have a diagnosis according to the DSM-5 of PTSD, has to be like a month after the traumatic event prior to like like say something happened traumatic and then the first 30 days the person is diagnosed actually with an acute stress disorder and then it transitions to PTSD which is pretty common. So there's symptoms that you may recognize in people. Sometimes you may not know that they're going through this but intrusive thoughts about the event um, kind of like just popping in their mind the distressing events, the dreams, the flashbacks, the nightmares. They could feel like they're reliving it. Maybe with war vets, you may see this, like they're actually kind of reliving combat experiences with noises that are triggering. Mm -hmm. Avoidance, as with all anxiety disorders, avoidance is the main behavioral response. So maybe avoiding places that remind them of the trauma or the situation or triggering distressing memories. Sometimes it, like a car accident, let's say the car accident uh, victim, they may avoid the site of the car accident. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a reminder being in a car or it doesn't have to be the exact same place. They may avoid people. They may resist talking about it. Changes in cognition and mood. So inability to remember certain things. Maybe memory is affected. They typically have deep shame and maybe guilt mm -hmm. and ongoing, obviously, fear and horror. And then they have hypervigilance, which is increasing arousal symptoms. So feeling like they're on edge, walking on eggshells. So that all yeah. has to occur okay. in okay. order for a diagnosis <clears throat> of PTSD. All right. Well, so I just think about, you know, the generations before us that really did not believe in, because you got a lot of what you talk about when I hear about, you know, the war vets up until the last 30 or 40 years, it's been predominantly men. And I mean, it still is, but I mean, really predominantly men back mm -hmm. in World War One and Two, and obviously Korea and Vietnam. And those generations didn't believe in going to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anybody to talk about their feelings. It just wasn't looked upon as being masculine. And it's embarrassing if you ever did, or you weren't you weren't a real man, so to speak. And you know, I remember my father, who was in World War Two. My mother told me these stories, and I, I get, I'm a history teacher, so of course I wanted to know more about my father, who was in World War II, he passed away when I was eight, and she told me, and I think she probably could have very well told me more, but maybe didn't want to scare me, Or, but he would wake up. And this is, uh, what is this, 30-some years later at the time when I was a little kid, and he would, or before I was born, wake up in, you know, like deep breaths and, you know, and she knew what it was. It, it was a night terror or just this, I mean, and so this would stay with people with PTSD for years and years and years, obviously. So I guess this is a good, perfect segue for my next question. If you have been suffering from PTSD for many years, is it more difficult to treat? Yeah, it can be. And one thing I wanted to mention from before is that um, in order to meet criteria for PTSD, it has to cause significant distress. So a lot of people develop symptoms within three months of the trauma. And even later, you know, some people don't get diagnosed, like you said. It could be years later that they're having, you know, flashbacks and depression, substance use. And I would say, yes, historically, it is more difficult because it's now, you know, just more severe in this person's life as well 
themselves, there might be some comorbidity, like substance abuse or depression or, you know, other things going on with that person. But there are different types of therapies that are effective for people that have long-term you know, symptoms of PTSD. Through therapy, is it possible that it goes away completely? Oh, yeah, good question. So it just so happens that <laughs> I know a little bit about that. So there are a few types of psychotherapy, including CBT, to help with PTSD. Obviously, medication, SSRIs can be helpful. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because I didn't fact check, but I think Effexor is the only one indicated right now for PTSD for meds. But there's a trauma-focused CBT, that's specific protocol for trauma. There is something called Prolonged Exposure, created by Edna Foa. She's in Philadelphia, actually, and I had the honor of going to one of her workshops. And that is an evidence-based treatment for PTSD. And last year, I got certified, or training, should I say, in EMDR, which is Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing Therapy. And that is also an evidence-based treatment for PTSD. So there's lots of levels of training. I only got level one, so I'm allowed to say that I was trained in it. Okay. And that has been shown to be really amazing for complicated PTSD, like people who may have had symptoms for 10 years, and they actually can get better, you know, in a short amount of time. Like there was 30 randomized studies that showed that people could have decreased symptoms of PTSD and not even meet criteria anymore after just three sessions, sometimes six or even 12 sessions. So Okay. So you can bring it down to a, a microcosm of what it once was. At the very least, yeah, I would have to tell you, like avoidance, like I said, is the number one coping strategy. So getting someone with PTSD to do things such as exposure therapy Ooh. is, you know, convincing them that it's important. Just getting them to do that, though, is a huge first step. It is. And there's no problem. You know, EMDR right. is amazing and magical and all this stuff, but it's convincing the person that to try these things because it's really going back in time and looking at the memories that they're trying to repress or avoid yeah. and trying to convince them that they're in a safe place with you as a therapist yeah. well, and that they can work through these. You know what? You know, because I remember talking to my sister about our father and how just think about that generation. How do they deal with it? The medication wasn't pushed like it is today, unfortunately, and I mean, or fortunately. I guess in some regards, but I mean, but some people actually did probably could have used it, you know, moderately, of course, but that wasn't a thing that nobody really went to therapy. That wasn't a thing. And then, you know, I just think about, you know, yeah, my father and a lot of men, you know, in that generation were heavy, heavy, heavy drinkers. And oh, yeah. so there you go. I, dealt with it. I was going to say substance abuse typically is how a lot of PTSD survivors, you know, um, right. deal with it. And I know culturally that's, you know, indicated to, I know with the, I believe the Native American population, they have a high incidence of substance abuse yeah. and alcohol too. So they dealt with it with alcohol or avoidance, you know, like I know people who have come back from the war and they just now are a hermit. They don't go anywhere. Well, yeah. They cannot go to a store. They cannot function. Right. And there's still a lot of shame with being diagnosed with PTSD in the military. And if I'm not mistaken, it's very difficult to get that diagnosis as an active duty member. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I know with some cases I've worked with, hmm. it's really hard to get in a psychologist on base to diagnose the PTSD until they're discharged because they don't want to diagnose this person with PTSD and then send them back. Well, yeah, well listen, yeah, we have another tour ready for you. I mean, we, we put a lot of investment in your training and everything. And yeah. No, we can't. If you want to deal with that, then do that after. But we still need you now. Yeah. And then to get disability after can be really hard. I've, I've struggled with that with you know patients of mine that have been in the military and family members as well. So yeah. it's sad because they don't really, the VA does not give good treatment. 
That's something about, you know, our military that I've always been critical of just from more that I've read and people I've talked to. It's the military needs you until they don't need you anymore. And for a lot of cases, life away, you know, like the yeah. contract is no joke to you sign your life away. I feel like, you know, we're talking mostly about military, but I mean, there's, I mean, if you're, if you're mugged as well, I mean, there's a lot of PTSD examples. Sure. Yeah. Definitely physical abuse, sexual assault, rape, 9-11, natural disasters. Yeah. People can have PTSD from a car accident. They can have PTSD from emotional abuse and verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people may not realize that they actually have symptoms of PTSD. There's patients that come in and tell me, oh, I was diagnosed, you know, many years later by my therapist and I didn't even realize I had these symptoms, mm -hmm. you know, because again, they might not notice. I mean, the ones that are obvious are the nightmares and the flashbacks for sure. Right. But if they subside, the other ones left over may not be so obvious. And just going back to the treatment. So what are areas that people with PTSD can expect improvements in through therapy? Well, definitely making sense of the trauma because people will often, all right, so we've talked about with CBT, we've talked about beliefs that people have about themselves, others in the world. They'll come away with a faulty conclusion, maybe that it was their fault. And what therapy can help with is helping them accept that this event happened and not defining themselves as worthless. So helping mm -hmm. their self-esteem, helping them, you know, recreate the story. Because when we are in a trauma response, our body keeps the score. There's a book written actually by mm -hmm. Bethel van der Kolk is his name. He wrote a book called How the Body Keeps the Score. And it's, it's kind of neat that our neurological system just remembers the trauma and our body just subtly or obviously relives that trauma. So it's kind of like getting distance with that memory and having a different conclusion. So helping not avoid helping with self-esteem not having symptoms of depression, dealing with the triggers when they happen. So the triggers, I mean, we can try to make a fear hierarchy of all these triggers, but some of them you're going to have to live in a world where there's noises, where there's people around maybe. So the symptoms can be managed, I'd say, with the anxiety response. And lastly, what should somebody with PTSD look for in a therapist? Right. Yeah, when they're seeking help. So definitely someone who has trauma training, you know, ask them what their special areas of practice are. People will list on Psychology Today a whole bunch of stuff that they, you know, trained in, but definitely ask what kind of treatment they use and make sure it's one of the ones that I recommended earlier. Because yeah, going in and talking is great and that could be a first step, but in order to really have effect change, you know, and get, get better, it has to be something evidence-based. Most therapists will not get defensive when you ask those questions kind of like, What's your treatment plan? How is it that you can help me? And what kind of treatment do you do? So I also just wanted to mention just a few stats on PTSD that I didn't discuss earlier. So in the past, yes, it was called shell shock during World War I and combat fatigue after World War II. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, PTSD does not just happen to combat veterans. PTSD can occur in all people of any ethnicity, nationality, or culture, and also in children, of course, at any age. And PTSD affects approximately 3.5% of U.S. adults don't know the stats on children. That's every year. And an estimated 1 in 11 people will be diagnosed with PTSD. Women are twice as likely to have PTSD than men. I think because that's just including besides just war. You know, work with all those a lot of women in the military. Uh, well, so the 3.5 though, that's the people who actually go and seek help. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, th that sounds low, but I'm like, yeah, but then how many people have it and just, like you said, like, avoid it or... Right. That's, yeah, exactly. And that's what we're always limited to in psychology and obviously in the medical field is like the people who are, are reporting and not going into treatment and not suffering in silence because, again, 
again, it's a highly avoidant population of people not going in. Sometimes people come into therapy for other reasons because they have depression or right. anxiety. And, and then you discover or, you know, they can figure out, oh, that's oh, triggering yeah. this. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I'll do an intake with people or even after a few sessions, I'll ask about like past history with trauma and they're like, oh yeah, that happened. But I didn't think that was traumatic. And, then, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> messed up. I'd say, yeah, we got to talk more about that. I would say that's definitely traumatic because people think of it as the obvious war, sexual abuse, 9-11 type, you know, disaster. It has to be like so like gargantuan. Correct. Right. Yeah. They don't think of it. And they'll, oh yeah, I have intense dreams, but you know, I'm like, oh boy. So yeah, I would say that that is a good point, Anthony, that a lot of people are not. Well, thank you. (laughs) You generally have good points, right? (laughs) I try to. Yeah. All right. So I guess no more questions and no game today. No, we've had some very sensitive issues and topics discussed on this podcast, but I really couldn't get into a PTSD game. I, know. I just uh, no, we did think yeah, about it. I uh, yeah, I couldn't get behind it. I don't know why. Yeah, well, I got it. It's okay. We don't have to be fun all the time. You know, we can be funny. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know? We could definitely come up with some off-topic game, but right okay, in the event of time, we won't. Exactly. Exactly. It's been a crazy uh, week. I just went on vacation. Uh, with my son, and I just got back Saturday, and this podcast what is today the 29th. 29th, yeah, right. So. And like we said, we're transitioning back into fall. Oh, yeah. My practice is super busy, and yeah, everyone going back to school. Right. So, yeah, sorry if this is a shorter episode than most everybody, but hey, it is what it is. Right. At least we turned it out. <laughs> exactly. On a Sunday, yeah. <laughs> according to our schedule. Okay. So, everyone, thanks for listening to our show and continuing to support us. Catch all of our episodes episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com and email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com and remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm.